Norman, you've got a story on whether paying people to lose weight works. Yeah, never say never. That's the health report's motto. <laughs> Associate Professor Melanie Jay of New York University has done a randomised trial of different ways of paying obese people to achieve sustainable weight loss. We know that financial incentives generally, but not always, for weight loss will, in the short term, lead to some weight loss. Not all the studies show that, but there has always been a worry that financial incentives, A, don't necessarily lead to lasting change, and B, that you might be somehow quashing intrinsic motivation to keep doing the behaviors once the incentive is gone. So that was one of the things that we were also very interested in with this study. So describe the people that you were studying here and what you exactly did for each group. We did this study in New York and Los Angeles. And we recruited people if they had to come from a zip code that is listed as a low-income neighborhood. So they were all given a one-year subscription to a fairly recognized, people would recognize what this program was, but it does get results in terms of weight loss. And on top, you added the financial incentives. Right. So there were three arms. Everybody got what we call resources only. So the resources only arm was our control group, and they got free Weight Watchers. But in addition, you know, which is a kind of an intensive program, they meet weekly, and they got a one-year membership. In addition, they got Fitbit and told about physical activity recommendations. They received self-monitoring materials, so to write down what they're eating, and also to weigh themselves, we gave them scales because self-monitoring, there's some evidence of self-monitoring of weight leads to more weight loss. So all three arms got that, but th that's all the control group received. The outcome-based and the goal-directed received financial incentives on top of that each month, depending on what we were incentivizing and what they accomplished. So the goal-directed one was if you turned up at Weight Watchers on a regular basis... You got paid. Mm -hmm. Right. If you turned up at Weight Watchers, if you tracked what you're eating, if you tracked your weight, and if you met physical activity recommendations. And there was a pay scale. So some people did some of it and some people did others, but they got paid each month for that. And each month they were told, and this is a behavior economics strategy, they were told what they would have made had they done all the things that could have made the money and how much they were getting. So there was a little bit of a loss aversion built into it that people wanted to get paid the entire amount. So that was thought to be motivating. So it wasn't all or nothing. It was graded yeah. according to the degree to which you complied with what you signed Correct. up to. And then the outcomes-based received money depending on what percentage of their weight they lost each month. When you reviewed then at six months, what did you find? We found that both financial incentives arms lost more weight than their resources only arm. There wasn't much of a difference in average weight loss between the two different incentive arms at six months, but there were some interesting things at 12 months. The goal-directed group kind of continued to lose weight between six and 12 months where the outcome base started to gain a little bit of back. We also found that the waist circumference, which is kind of a marker of what we call visceral fat, which is thought to be the type of fat that causes health problems, that was trending towards being lower at 12 months in the goal-directed arm. The people who were getting the incentives for going to Weight Watchers, for doing the different behaviors, we think that maybe they were doing them more even after the financial incentives stopped. So in other words, the people who were being financially incentivized to turn up and do the behaviours rather than according to how much weight they were losing may have gone deeper into their behavioural change than just focusing on the number of pounds or kilos you were losing. Right. Well, they maybe were more likely to continue those behaviours after the incentives ended. 
and thereby having health benefits. But we need to do more studies to see because it wasn't quite statistically significant. One of the fundamental problems here is that we live in an obesogenic environment. I mean, if you look at kids' obesity, and you look at it in a cohort sense, in the 1970s, I mean, parents haven't changed, children haven't changed, and yet obesity levels have changed with each 10 years gone by. In the 1970s, you didn't have a, the concentration of fast food outlets. You didn't have necessarily the screen time that you've got now, the marketing of unhealthy foods. You're not doing much for the obesogenic environment and you're sending people back into that environment which over the last 30 years has caused the obesity. Well I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of genetics hasn't changed. There is something in the environment interacting with the genes that's causing obesity and certainly some of the factors that you mentioned in terms of sedentary and our food environment and there might be other factors that we don't even know that are causing the changes in the microbiome, maybe certain hormone disruptors and other environmental things that are really causing more obesity as well. And you're also right that for us to give financial incentives is not addressing that. Once someone has obesity, then we have to work really hard to counteract it like you would any other chronic disease. Just to tie the knot on this study, where does it leave you? You've spent money, you've had some effect, but it does seem to wear off in both groups, perhaps less where you would direct the money might change a little bit. But is this the game changer? I think that it's a tool in our toolkit that it might take multiple strategies. We're looking to see if it's cost effective. If it's cost effective, then I think it is one strategy. Now, I will say that close to 50% lost clinically significant amounts of weight. So that means 50% of people in our study did not. And that's very typical in all lifestyle-based treatments for obesity. And so that means that a lot of people might need medications or surgery or other treatments, just like we treat high blood pressure, just like we treat lung cancer, just like we treat a lot of other diseases, we might need to do other treatments in addition if it doesn't work in people. That's and we got to change the environment, absolutely. Melody, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Associate Professor Melanie Jay is at the Grossman School of Medicine at New York University. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.